Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for listening. Great podcast today. We have Jeff Van Gundy from ESPN, who's getting ready to call all the action from the NBA bubble as basketball begins, or I shouldn't say begins, it continues, uh, returns for its season on Friday. And Jeff was outstanding talking about the bubble and the last dance and LeBron James and how he's going to be broadcasting in this wild situation. So uh, really great stuff from Jeff on today's show. If you missed last week, we had Joe Buck on who uh, talked about baseball's return two weeks ago, Jay Onrate from TSN Sports Center in Canada three weeks ago, Jamel Hill. If you missed any of those episodes, Go into the archives and give those a listen. Download, subscribe, rate, review. It all uh, is very helpful. So please, if you can, do that uh, subscription to the SI Media Podcast. All right, let's get to the very entertaining Jeff Van Gundy. All right, joining me now, second time for me on the SI Media Podcast. It's been a while. So glad he's coming back. And uh, as he returns to the SI Media Podcast, the NBA returns this week, and he is ESPN's Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff, how's it going? Good, Jimmy. Hope you're well. I am uh, hanging in there. How about you? Yeah, it's an in- it's obviously interesting times uh, here in Orlando uh, with the uh, restart about to begin, and so much in our world is going on. So uh, a lot of change, but uh, it'll be an interesting start to the uh, or restart to the season. So. Usually, you know, we have a lot to talk about the NBA coming back and usually sort of 
the way it works here on the pod is I like to build up to sort of the meat of the podcast and the, and the really um, newsworthy stuff. But I'm going to get it going right off the top here because it's what, it's what everyone's talking about. Have you had the wings at Magic City yet? You know, you know what was crazy is my first inclination to think of was, oh, man, you got to be able to come up with a better excuse than that. But then I had people from Atlanta sending me messages that said the food is really good there. And the one thing that I, I disagree with the NBA on is Lou Williams could have done the same exact action and not been photographed and he would have gotten four days because he was photographed he got 10. Mm -hmm. these other guys who have left we don't know what they've done and so i i think it should be pretty much across the board if you leave for an emergency which is obviously your right to do this is the this is how we have to quarantine to keep us all safe coming back so um I'm not sure I agree with the punishment in Lou Williams' uh, situation. But have you had the wings? No. <laughs> I, I don't. That sounds like you got to get there. Down, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when people rave about a strip club's food, I mean, I, I'm not sure that's uh, good or not good. I mean, not, you know, that's interesting. It, I, I, in all seriousness, I do agree that it, I mean, you know, it does seem like it was a lengthy time that they sort of shut down Lou Williams for that transgression, if you even want to call it that. I mean, you'd think, you know, if he's ordering food, he's in and out of there quickly. It doesn't seem like the most irresponsible thing to do. I mean, listen, who, who knows what ended up happening, but if you're just picking up food and you're in and out of there in five, 10 minutes, it, it, you know, I, I do think he's sort of got a bum rap on it. Yeah. And I think this. The NBA is charged with something very difficult. They, as we've seen with the other sports, it's going to be hard, right? Unless the environment that you're living in is over-the-top restrictive. And right now, the players are living in an incredibly restrictive environment in the bubble here in Orlando. So I understand they have a tough job to do. And I don't even mind if they want to say 10 days uh, when you come back, you have to quarantine. That should be based on science. What I don't mm. like is in this one, he got 10 days, but these other guys who we have no idea what they were doing, mm. they get four. Right. That seems to me, and it cost Lou Williams 150000 somebody wrote, because he's going to miss their first two games. So um, I just think uh, – the inequality of, I don't even want to say punishment, but of the quarantine time seems to me to not be based on science. Mm. Speaking of science, you know, if you don't want to get into this, you don't have to, but you are a very opinionated person, which is why I think so many people enjoy your work. And, I, and this does tie into what's going on with the NBA. I mean, can you believe, because you're also, I, I, I think you're a practical guy. I mean, can you believe that as we sit here on July 28th, after being in this mess since February, March, and you have the NBA players in a bubble in Orlando, that I saw, I saw a stat today 
that only 67% of Americans are wearing masks, you know, when they need to wear a mask. Like, how are we even at this point still? I, I really don't understand that. I think as a country, um, we should have been given the truth about masks immediately. We should be required to wear them. And we should see it as an act of unselfishness that we all have each other's best interests at heart. I, I don't understand how this became uh, an argument of liberty right. and freedom. I mean, this is about helping each other through a really difficult situation. And I don't understand the unwillingness uh, to participate in helping yourself and helping others. Um, it seems like a very minimal thing to ask Americans to do. And I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of what my issue is with it is, I mean, listen, I don't enjoy wearing the mask. It's not something, you know, I wear glasses, my glasses fog up. It's a disaster, especially in the heat and you get out of the car, your glasses are fogging up, whatever, but you're going into a supermarket for 20 minutes. You can wear a mask. It's not like you're being asked to, you know, go fight a war somewhere. No, I, <laughs> it just seems like to me, uh, sometimes when they, when I hear these um, public service announcements about, you know, stay six feet away, wear a mask and wash your hands. I want to scream and say, I got it already. I got it. But obviously we don't all have it right. because we haven't been convinced that it's in our best interest and everyone's best interest to do these three things that obviously wouldn't eradicate the virus, but would help minimize the damage that so many people are doing. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to it. The, the lack of discipline from a lot of people um, right now, not just masks, but going out, um, basically defying. I read another one where there was a party of 700, um, you know, at an Airbnb. I'm just thinking to myself, what are we doing? that's that's the exact like what are we doing what you know when you know it's interesting too when you see sports fans sort of complain about the mask because all sports fans have wanted for the past four months was for sports to come back and now you know baseball is a complete mess the nba obviously looks like they did a great thing by doing the bubble um uh, let me ask you this when you start broadcasting you're gonna your first game is friday uh, you and Mike Breen and Mark Jackson will have uh, Bucks Celtics Friday night on ESPN. The season opens Thursday. Uh, Jeff and ESPN will get going Friday. What is your broadcasting setup going to be like in terms of where you'll be and, you know, in terms of, you know, with Mark and Mike? So we uh, did uh, practice games on uh, Saturday and uh, yesterday. Uh, we did three total games. Um, they weren't broadcasts. We did some cut-ins uh, both on Saturday and the Monday uh, for the NBA shows, but we actually broadcast the games. And uh, there's three arenas. We broadcast in two. And the basic setup is we're up off the floor. I would say probably um, if you were in an NBA arena where the second – 
set of seats would start, you know, so we're up pretty high and we're in uh, thick plexiglass booth partitioned, you know, so we each have our own spot. Okay. And uh, the setup, the, the amount of work that had to be done to get us on the air, mm. I can't even imagine. Like I was saying to somebody yesterday, I can't even put together a chest of drawers. <laughs> what these people behind the scenes are able to do and manipulate and work the problems they troubleshoot and work through to just get these games on has been uh, incredible. And so, yeah, I think we were going through these practice games, hope, hopefully to get us back in a little bit of rhythm, but also I think to make sure that we could, you know, everybody who's undergoing all these changes because of the virus can do their job and we can put on a quality broadcast. And what was that like for you in the practice games when you're in your own sort of, it sounds like the three of you are almost in like NHL penalty boxes, basically with the plexiglass and the separation. How was it when you were actually calling the game? Did it feel weird not being like right on top of, you know, Breen and Jackson or were you able to do it? No, no, no problems. No, it was a little bit. It's a, it's a little bit strange because used to be able to just like, you know, Mike would tap me on the arm to, to shut up or get back on track. And obviously he can't do that now. So now he's probably just going to try to stare me down through the plexiglass. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I think it is a little weird. Um, but even weirder is the whole s- sterile environment and the lack of sound uh, fans, like when they come out to warm up, mm-hmm. the introductions, all of those things to me uh, have been, you know, really, really strange. And I think it, it's going to have an impact on the games. I hope it's positive. I hope that we hear things that we've never heard before that may give the fans a better inclination of what happens between coach and player, coach and official. And uh, I think it's going to be fun. I do. Yeah, I've been – I tweeted a couple of times and got some backlash because I, I hate – I don't like what baseball is doing. <clears throat> Excuse me with the cardboard cutouts in the stands and the piped in crowd noise, my perspective on it is sports is the ultimate reality show that that's why sports has a hold on this country because you don't know what's going to happen and what you see is what you get. It's in real time. It's live and it's the ultimate reality show. I don't like that being um, compromised. My philosophy is show it as is and let the chips fall where they may. Um, I don't know in the NBA. I mean, I think it would be fascinating in the NBA to hear LeBron calling out defensive sets. And obviously everyone knows trash talking in the NBA or beautiful combination like peanut butter and jelly. So, you know, I would have liked it left as is, but I guess on the flip side of that, I mean, you go to an NBA game and there's music and noise throughout. So I, I guess you sort of have to balance it when it comes down to it. Yeah. And I'll be interested, you know, they have a setup where there's participating fans virtually. I'm not really sure how they do it or if they're going to be able to create sounds. Um, I think there's going to be like some groaning noises when a bad a call goes against the home team, Yeah, which I, you know, that sort of stuff, I'm not sure how it'll play out. Um, I, I thought that I was thinking last night that 
when they get to the final four teams, I think they should have a contest for those four teams. The most 10 most obnoxious fans, put them in the bubble and quarantine and bring them to the game and let them go nuts. I think it would be so much better than in that final four than, you know, uh, however they do it, 2K type of soundtrack noise. Right. Um, but again, these are things that smarter people than me have probably thought a lot about, a lot more than I have. So I'm sure there's problems with that too. But I would just love for in the final four if we could have some true fan noise. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Uh, that, that. You know, anything better than the fake stuff it would be better for me. How, how would you as a coach, obviously um, you had a great run as a head coach, what would be your approach for the bubble? What would you be telling, what would you be telling your players, um, you know, right now, two, three days before the season starts about how to go about their business in terms of the actual game. When the game's going on, there's no fans in the stands. I don't know if that affects the adrenaline, uh, concentration, anything like that. What, from a coach's perspective, what would you be telling players? Well, I think the teams have all gone through their hardest three weeks where they were in the bubble with, like I said, very little to do, totally restrictive, and they had to last these three weeks when there are no real games being played. You know, three scrimmages, a lot of practices, and a lot of time that you're just trying to kill. Now, real games are starting, and they're going to be basically every other day. And sometimes they're going to be asked to play back-to-back in these eight games. And then the playoffs are coming. So you're going to be able to get into a rhythm, Jimmy, like as a player, and you can focus in on just the game. Right. That doesn't mean you won't miss your family, miss your friends, and still have time, a lot of time to kill. But I think those first three weeks were where the coach had a lot of problems, you know, a lot of problems to keep the enthusiasm level up, the uh, intensity up, being able to see the big picture. Now, you know, starting on Thursday, it's on. I still think those top seeds from both East and West will take these seeding games, these eight games, as an extended preseason, while the other nine – have to play like it's life or death. And I think it'll be an interesting contrast to how each team goes about these next eight games. This is a weird question that I thought of, but um, I'll see if you think it's a ridiculous question, which please tell me if it is. I, you know, obviously with the condensed schedule, there's a lot of day games. And usually in the NBA, you only get afternoon games on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, but you're going to have day games all throughout the week. Is that, will that be um, a factor for some of these players? Is that something they're going to have to get used to in terms of body training, stuff like that? Or, you know, because they play on the weekends in the regular season, it doesn't really matter. No, I think it's a a major factor. There's no question. Uh, For some players, it will be um, more challenging. Now, people would counter and say, well, you guys practice uh, in the daytime. And the good part about this is that they've had to practice at all odd times and they've played some of their uh, scrimmage games in those same time slots. So there's no normal, there's no routine in this bubble. So they've had to get comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable 
even before they play. But I had, I had a few players, particularly in New York, that, man, 1 p.m. games, they were waking up at about 3. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it, it is challenging for some, and, some, and people's body clocks are all different. Yeah. Well, it's with the bubble there, I guess it makes it a little easier because, you know, if well, Magic City is still open until 3 a.m., so who knows if someone could sneak out after, you know, if, you, if someone's done with their, you know, they have a one o'clock game, they're done at four o'clock and then they don't play for two days. Um, I heard the only way out is swim across the moat with the gators <laughs> in there. And you know what? In a couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a couple guys putting on their speedos and giving it a, a, a try. NBA, all athletes are just not used to being that, you know, restrictive in, in their lifestyles, so to, so to speak. Um, and what about for you? I mean, did you have, did you have any uh, pause about going into the bubble? There were some announcers, obviously they're older than you, but Marv, Hubie Brown decided to pass on the bubble. Did you, were you a yes right from the get-go? Did you have to think about it? I was a yes, but that doesn't mean I'm devoid of anxiety about the situation. Um, this is, you know, I, Houston, where I live is the epicenter of it right now. And coming into another hot spot, I think it would be naive to think, uh, that no one that we know, because we're not in the bubble bubble, we're in a secondary bubble. Mm -hmm. That's a little less restrictive, but still restrictive, you know, that somebody could contract it and, and you could be exposed to it. And it's not lost on me how dangerous this is. And so I said yes right away because I think that was my obligation. And at the same time, I, I understand exactly um, how devastating this virus has been and can be. And I don't take it lightly. If you don't mind, give me and the listeners a little sense of what the secondary bubble is like. Can you like can you go pick up food without a major like are you allowed to leave the bubble and I don't know, go to a grocery store? What can you do in the secondary bubble? So you can't go out and and just suppose, you know, go pick up food, mm. but you can have food delivered in. Right. And the one place that we can go is Disney Springs, which is open to the public. So that um, has me anxious. I, I uh, somebody invited me to go uh, last night to Disney Springs with into the public, and I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I don't think I will. I have not been to a restaurant to sit down um, since this started, and I don't plan on going anytime soon. So, again, it's a little less restrictive. Uh, you know, you can play golf here just like I guess the players can. And, um, you know, there's no security watching or anything like that. So it's really on your honor mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Yeah. And you're, you're, you will be very busy in the bubble because once the season gets going on Friday, um, I think you're calling five games in three days, which is pretty uh, large workload. What do you think about um, – all that work. And I guess you're going to have days where you call two games in one day. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the only time I've ever done the two games in one day is Mark Jackson's first year as the golden state coach. We did a game in the afternoon and then 
I think it was a lockout year. And then we flew to Golden State. I think it was from Dallas. Yeah. And got there right before the game and did that. And it was fun. And I think, uh, listen, there's a lot of t- downtime here uh, with not a lot to do. So I'm excited about doing two games in a day. And I think the one person it's really hard on, though, is Mike because he has to, you know, carry the load. Uh, and Mark and I don't have as much to have to say, so it's not going to be as challenging on our voices. But for Mike, you know, it's going to be a challenge. And uh, he's so good, though, he'll come through, you know, fine. But we're, I think we're all looking forward to the differences in this um, instead of, you know, whining about – can you imagine – if somebody said, hey, we're going to pay you to talk about basketball, but you might have to do two games in a day, we'd have been like, yeah, can we sign up for that? So we can't lose sight of how good a job we have. Right, right. And people will be watching. People will be tuning in, I think, in big numbers uh, for these games. People yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. And, and will, it, will it sustain after the first weekend? Um, we sure hope so. And I know the players um, – you know, hope that this goes over well and it's well-received. And I have to say, the quality of offense uh, by the individual players and by the teams, Jimmy, has astounded me in the scrimmages. They are playing – I thought it was going to be sloppy and Mm -hmm. disjointed. It's been anything – it's been anything but that. It's been very well-played offensively. Now, I think just like most preseasons, you've got to ratchet up the defensive intensity. But I've been really, really uh, pleasantly surprised by how well offensively these individuals and teams are playing. So I think it's going to be good basketball to watch. Uh, I was going to ask you um, just a couple of questions on actual NBA stuff here. Um, Give me your opinion, one team that you think – May I don't want to use the word help. Help is not the right word, but one team that maybe the layoff and this bubble, whatever you want to call it, situation is one team that might uh, benefit from it and one team that could be hurt from it. Well, I think it probably served Philadelphia well in that Ben Simmons got healthy. Mm -hmm. So anybody that had some injuries, obviously that's a help. But I also think Brett Brown – really thought long and hard about lineup construction and putting Al Horford on the bench, starting Shake Milton as his point guard, uh, sliding Ben Simmons up to, you know, point power forward position. Um, I, so I think I'm, I'm really interested in how they play. Uh, I think, you know, Toronto probably benefited as well uh, from getting some guys healthy. As far as who it would hurt, I think in general, if you are easily distracted as a team and you lack mental strength as an individual, and I don't really know that about those teams, I think you're going to see a team or two underachieve here just because they couldn't retain the level of enthusiasm and intensity it takes to play well when you're not – living a normal lifestyle Mm. and I will I don't know who it's going to be but I am interested to watch which players rise up through uh different circumstances 
stances and which ones crumble. That brings me to LeBron, who was, I think, on a mission this year before coronavirus hits, obviously after the bad taste of last year. And now since the bubble, we've seen him really, um, you know, if you're just going by what he says on social media, and I mean, I think you've seen it on the court too in in these exhibitions. Um, LeBron is always on a mission, but he seems to really, the laser focus is even more ratcheted up, it seems like, for LeBron. Am I wrong in that assessment? Well, I think this year um, his defensive intensity is much higher than it was last year. And I think he senses they have a real shot uh, at winning it all. Um, Last year he had an injury, so he was limited in the second half of the season. And I think he came back rejuvenated. Uh, inspired, and he has played that way throughout the season. He looks, you know, like he is – understands he may never have a better chance than this year to win another championship, and you see it by his actions. Uh, And one of the great things that that I was told long ago is uh, your actions speak so loudly I can barely hear what you say. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't really listen to what a lot of these guys say because they know what to say about team play and and committing and playing defense. But I look on the floor, and when you look on the floor, LeBron James, without uttering a word, speaks volumes about his level of commitment to winning it this year through his intensity and his effort. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to switch gears, but also get back to LeBron in a, in a, in a way here. But um, the highlight of quarantine and the pandemic for sports fans was the last dance on ESPN. Um, did you watch it? Not a second. Uh, you know, that's funny because I had a feeling that was going to be your answer because obviously you lived through it. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, those, those, you know, I, listen, this ends up becoming like this whole big thing, but uh, you know, the NBA back then was a totally different animal. And for me, a much more enjoyable animal, but it, it's fun. They, announced the Emmy nominations today and uh, the last dance got three Emmy nominations. So I saw that and wanted to bring that up to you. Um, I heard it was very well done. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I, I lived it. I, I knew the results uh, of those games and I knew about his greatness. So yeah. like to me, that was nothing of a surprise, uh, but I do think I'm happy that it was made because younger fans who really didn't get to see him play, obviously, live, and who probably wouldn't take the time to go back and watch full games, could see in short snippets just how great he was. And, you know, like when you see highlights of this guy, when you think about what he was able to do and the efficiency he was able to play with, when the rules back then – were more slanted or tilted towards the defense than the offense. And today it's just the opposite. Uh, the rules of the game are more slanted towards the offense than the defense. And when you think about uh, not having as much room because the three-pointer wasn't shot with the same uh, amount of the sheer numbers, but also you didn't have all these shooters on the floor for space. And then the level of contact, that he had, he had to play through, yeah. and him playing 82 games a night, for young people to see, and for older people to see, like myself, even though I didn't watch it, to be reminded of his greatness, I, I think is is terrific. Because he was, in, in my time, uh, in my era, just the difference maker. You know, you could play, you know, a great game, and you're coming down to the end, and time and again, he would be the difference in these close games. And um, uh, I have so much respect for him as a player and as a competitor. Yeah, one of the best things for me, and uh, I'm sure the people who are like 25 and under who, who 
proclaimed to be diehard NBA fans were shocked at. I mean, when they showed the old clips of him playing the Pistons and the Knicks, I mean, those teams just, I mean, they beat the living shit out of him on the court. You know, that's how the game was played. I mean, it just was, and it's a completely different time now. Um, so that was fun to go if back and watch that, those clips. Jimmy, if you did that today to like uh, oh, yeah. Steph Curry, you might be arrested <laughs> in, in in Golden State and ushered out. I mean, it the amount of like the physical contact and, and the one that I just remember, and it wasn't against Jordan, but it was John Starks basically tried to behead Scottie Pippen. I mean, <laughs> today it would be ejection, suspension for 10 games. Right. I think it was just called a common foul. You know, it's just like, yeah, get up and make your free throws. And that level of contact day after day, year after year, that Jordan played 82 games and huge minutes goes directly to his toughness, mental and physical toughness, his level of conditioning, and his competitive spirit. And, um, you know, we there were a number, like, I, I, I have that same amazement level when you talk about Carl Malone mm -hmm. and John Stockton, how few games they missed. Mm -hmm. um, just amazing. Yeah. And Patrick, for the next, Patrick Ewing, I mean, that was, I've always said, I feel like he's the most underappreciated New York athlete of my lifetime because Patrick Ewing gave 100% every single night of every game he played in his career. And, you know, in the NBA, that's not always the case. Well, I would say this. Um, it wasn't just the games. It was practice as well. Uh, when your best player is as committed as Patrick was to winning, and we had an incredibly committed group, um, we fell short. But those players, led by Patrick, all always in my heart consider them champions because they gave every single thing they had to trying to win a championship. Unfortunately, as Pat Riley often would say, some teams are just born at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And we were born in that Jordan yep. era and we were great. And, um, you know, we just didn't have a guy who could go get a shot off the dribble. Uh, you know, Alan Houston came later in Patrick's mm -hmm. career and yep. he was that first guy that we had that could go get his own uh, own shot. So, yeah, I, I will always admire those Nick teams uh, because literally no team invested more to trying to do the right things that let, lead to winning a championship than those teams. It was an honor every day in my 13 years in New York to deal with those players uh, and with those coaches because the commitment level was off the chart. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's a little bit more of an appreciation as time has gone on. I, so let me, I just want to get you to say it. So why did you not watch the last dance one second of it? Were you tempted? Did you, what was your mindset about that? Well, it wasn't anything, you know, I mean, I, I love Madam Secretary, so if I was going to choose, I'm going to watch Madam Secretary. But I, I think, again, living through that, I mean, there were some great moments against the Bulls, and there were some, you know, incredibly disappointing moments. Uh, I, ch I choose not to watch, you know, Game 5, uh, B.J. Armstrong's uh, three, Charles Smith getting fouled. 
um, you know, I, I choose not to watch that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I love watching old Nick games at times. And, but as far as that, I knew what a great player Jordan was. I knew how great a team they had. Uh, Phil Jackson, a brilliant coach. Uh, so I didn't feel that, you know, there was no desire to watch, but I heard it was great. And so many people, I think, benefited from seeing Jordan's greatness, uh, even if it was in short snippets. Uh, but to really understand what a great player and what a phenomena the Chicago Bulls were back mm. then. But you didn't want to watch it all. Um, I had no desire. When I say negative desire, that's where it was. Gotcha. I, I, you, you said Phil Jackson was a great coach. I, I've said this to you, I think, before when you were on the last time, but I will say it again. You calling him Big Chief Triangle is one of my favorite moments in Nick's history. Um, the, uh, this is why I asked about the last dance and I'm going to tie it into LeBron. I love the, even though, even though I was a diehard Nick fan back in those days and it was so painful to relive it. I, I love the last dance from a media perspective. It was very well done. And you know, like the old clips and all that stuff, the, m m what I hated about the last dance, there was one thing I hated about it is it then became used in the Jordan LeBron argument. Like when it would air every Sunday night, you'd have people saying, Oh, LeBron could have never done this. Or LeBron hasn't done this. And I, I hate, I hate the Jordan LeBron argument. And I, and the last dance was then used as a way to sort of knock down LeBron, which I find preposterous. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Not to bore you with my sayings, but <laughs> comparison is the thief of joy. And whenever you, go through these sophomoric like comparative arguments who's better when you're talking about the all-time greats I'll give you first choice and I'll be happy with the second choice and anybody trying to knock what LeBron James has done uh, is it's it's just foolish it's utter foolishness he not only is he the great player that we see, and he's gonna, he could lead, actually end up being the all-time leading scorer in NBA history and it not be his best quality as a player, which is remarkable mm -hmm. in that you know, his passing is by far his greatest skill. Right. But I just find like how he's lived his life. Like why would we be trying to take away from uh, a man – who not only has accomplished so much on the floor, but he's lived this life of, in many ways, just he, he, he's such a giver of his resources uh, to help others. And I think we should be applauding that. Right. So I, I don't like all these comparisons um, because they're both just in their own era. They're both the dominant player of their time. Well, and, and here's, the other reason why the argument is ridiculous, if you would like to argue that uh, Jordan was, is better than LeBron, that's fine. So basically what you're saying is, you know, LeBron is not as good as the greatest player who's ever played the game. I mean, you know, and he's now second on the list. So, I mean, what are you really arguing? Well, that was always my problem when uh, we were coaching the Knicks is people would say, Ewing's not as good as Jordan. Well, yeah, and put everyone else in that quality too. <laughs> Like, oh, he's mean. You mean he's only 
like one of the top 25 best players in the history of the game. Yeah, I think I can live with that as a coach. Right. Um, so, again, I don't understand people trying to pick at greatness. I, I don't. It's sometimes like we have such jealousy, and I do think it's a problem within teams as too, and I think you have to guard. What you're trying to find is guys who can be genuinely happy for other people's success. Yao Ming, who I coach in Houston, the absolute best at that I've ever dealt with. Mm -hmm. you know, he could truly be happy for others' success. And I think that's what's missing. It's like, why can't we be happy for both Jordan's greatness and James's greatness? Right. Well, why do we have to pick between them? Because we have this thing called social media now. Speaking of which, um, before I let you go, I got to ask because your brother Stan recently joined Twitter. He, I mean, he is, he is on there and he is on fire every day. Um, are you saying that? Will you, is there any chance Stan could convince Jeff to join Twitter one of these days? No, because I would lose my job <laughs> in probably twelve hours. But I have had some. I didn't know he was going on Twitter, and I had a friend of mine in Houston reach out to me and said, hey, Stan is delivering some great messages, but he's tweeting at an alarming rate, yeah. right? And then <laughs> Woj tweeted me and said, Stan's like the Kenyan marathoner who starts <laughs> off sprinting his marathon and you think there's no way he could keep it up, but he's still running that fast at mile 20. And you know, the one thing I'm proud of Stan is that he's not speaking from uh, or tweeting or whatever you want to call it from ignorance. He studies these issues. Uh, he reads a lot. He like he's into it. And um, he and his wife are uh, invested in so many things, whether it's elections or um, he taught at a, a, a prison these last couple of years and uh, had me in as a guest speaker, which was a remarkable experience for me. Um, so he's, he puts his, his resources behind what he says, and he also studies up on this stuff. So uh, not everyone will share his ideals, right. but I'm so proud of him that he um, cares so deeply about our country and about studying the issues before us yeah he's been great I, the so if i don't follow someone that i like on twitter the reason 99.9 percent .9 of the time is because they tweet too much i, I can't follow people who tweet too much because it gets to be so if you do speak to him say it say to him you know like you've heard some feedback slow it down a little bit keep it going you know the messages are great but you know he's, well, he's you gonna burn himself, he's gonna burn himself out is my daughter, who's older, she's like, uh, you know, 24. Right. Uh, she said, and I don't know if these terms are right. I don't even know if I heard them right because I don't understand this stuff. Yeah. But she goes, he's clouding my feed. <laughs> because the yeah. last 10 are Stan and I, can, I, don't, I can't find other people's. Right. And right. so yeah. I don't know if I heard that right. No, you heard it right. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. anyway, I'll, I'll try to give him uh, a heads up that he's got a, what do you think is a, like, should he cut it down to a certain number, like four a day? Like, no, that's, he could do more than four a day. Um, you know, 
I would keep it to like maybe eight a day. Eight a day. All right. Yeah. I'm going to give him that. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give him a number. Yeah. And I'll, I, I don't, I, I'll keep track of it. You should have <laughs> a way from like, you should be able to turn it over to your uh, Twitter manager that he can cut you off at a certain number a day. Nope. That's your allowance for today. So make them. Well, count. they do have Twitter actually. I don't know if they still do, but at one point they did have like a limit. Like if you tweeted, like, I don't know, a hundred times in an hour, then they would say like, you can't tweet anymore for a certain amount of hours. You've hit the limit or something like that. I don't know if they still had that, but they oh, did have that at one point. Put in the Twitter penalty box. Yes. Okay. That's it. People would say, yes. People would say I was in Twitter jail. That would be the phrase <laughs> that people would use. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of jail, enjoy the bubble there in Orlando and uh, looking forward to getting the games back. I appreciate you coming on. Really enjoyed this conversation and, um, you know, go no get problem. some wings at some point from Magic, uh, Magic That's City. That's it. That's yeah. it. All right. Take care, Jim. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay. My thanks to Jeff Van Gundy. Absolutely love that conversation. He was great. Looking forward to hearing him and Mike Breen and Mark Jackson call some NBA action when the league returns. Uh, they ESPN, they get that game on Friday this week. If you're listening to the pod as it first comes out, really good stuff there from Jeff. If you're a first time listener, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps tremendously. And if you can rate and review that helps too, but subscribing is really helpful. And, uh, if you missed any past episodes, Joe Buck was on last week, two weeks ago, Jay Onrate, three weeks ago, Jamel Hill. So give those a listen. If you missed any of those, again, my thanks to Jeff Van Gundy, really, really fun interview. And, uh, we'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.